0: Welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Joining me today is a man by the name of Billy, who is the father of a young man named Kevin. You would have known him as Summers on Twitter. The young prodigy, the young man that captured many of our hearts within the Bitcoin space with the projects that he was putting together at such a young age, Uh, especially when it came to regenerative farming as you will learn in this interview with his father he he is truly an incredible person Uh, many of you probably remember the the tweet that went around um, after uh, a tragedy befell the family and uh, and Kevin has been lost to uh, to his father, and uh, to his family, and and to the rest of us. And we'll never know the difference he could have made, but he's already inspired so many people. And Billy wanted to come on and carry his message forward. Uh, Kevin and I had set up a podcast in his DMs, which Billy found, and he he reached out, and I believe he's reaching out to other people uh, from other walks of life, not just Bitcoin podcasters, but other podcasters that were interested in interviewing Kevin you can go and check out his book it's an incredible book Um, we get into this and much much more in the interview Uh, I hope anybody listening to this and is touched by this story will reach out to uh, Billy at the end and once you've um, got an idea of any way that you might be able to help um, you'll be able to contact him on Twitter via DMs again we talk about more of this towards the end of the show uh... Yeah, it seems a bit shallow to shill some sponsorship on this on this podcast, I suppose. Uh, you know what to do. You know where to stack. You know who supports the show. You know who the sponsors are. You can find them in the show notes. Um, thank you for sponsoring the show. Um, you know who you are as well. Thank you, everybody, as well, for, for listening. I'm going to start this interview uh, right now, even though we've still got a little bit of background music on the go but um it's it's a shortened uh, a shortened introduction enjoy this rip with billy thank you billy for coming on and uh being brave uh enough to talk about this enjoy the show guys thanks for listening Okay, Billy, we are uh, we are recording. Uh, thank you so much for for reaching out in the DMs and uh, and you know standing up and asking to, to come on the show and, and talk about uh, Kevin's life.
1: Thank you for for letting me try to carry on this part of his work here, uh, and I know he had been planning to come on to your show, so trying to do this in his place is uh, is just a part of trying to keep that bit of what he was doing
0: going. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I had reached <clears throat> out to him in the first place, as I was explaining just, just before we hit record, uh, we had seen a lot of his tweets uh, and he had been getting a lot of retweets around our circles, uh, around our, we, we call ourselves Bitcoiners. Um, and uh, the, the reason being, he was doing some crazy interesting stuff. And for such a young man, <laughs> Uh, the the kind of um, freedom and self sovereign life he was already living at such a young age and the the sense of purpose and um, kind of forethought and, and uh, maturity that he was showing was really inspiring to to a lot of people so I want to talk about some of those projects and how they come to be and what he was working on and what he was uh, you know really interesting him But before we go there, uh, why don't I ask, um, why did did you guys decide to homeschool? Because this is a huge part of the story and people that listen to this show have heard me interview other guests before and they know that I do this with uh, three of my four children. Uh, We did a world school trip and ever since then we've looked at the education system completely differently and we've seen some amazing um, results. We've had some incredible challenges uh, as i'm sure you guys have had as well and uh, i would just like to ask how did that kind of thought process play out what was the uh, what was the thinking behind homeschooling or, or not going down the route of uh, you know institutionalized education
1: honestly it started um before when my wife was still pregnant with kevin um We were sitting out on the porch of her parents' house, uh, which is right down the street from an elementary school, and some kids who couldn't have been more than eight or ten years old. They were young. They walked by, and they were just screaming this chant that I'm not going to repeat because it was so incredibly vulgar and degrading towards women. Um, But it was just mind-blowing to hear these little, High-pitched young voices screaming out these stuff as they were walking home from school, and it was just an off-the-cuff remark one of us made to the other, and I don't remember who who said it first. It was like, "So, what do you think of the idea of homeschooling?" It just um,
2: that that was the starting point, um, you know, just thinking we don't want our kids. You
1: know, growing up, thinking it's okay to to be screaming that while walking down the road, and the, the view to have to be, have such a
2: demeaning view of of
1: women, we didn't think was right. Um,
2: it it really hit a nerve. It struck a chord. Um, and so from there, we started thinking about it, you know, a bit more. Um, ultimately.
1: We sat and talked, and they're like, okay, how well did school really prepare us for adult life? You know, were we, were we ready to graduate and get out, and okay, we're ready to get a good job. We we know what, you know, the cost of living is going to be. We know what rent's going to cost and groceries,
2: and we didn't know any of that. We were clueless. We weren't prepared for real life at all. Um medical complications played a a big role in our situation um with with my
1: health but you know there we were living with her parents at the time um you know we we weren't able to save a lot of money and it got us thinking more and more about just how
2: unprepared we left the public school system you know to be for adult life and so we're like, you know, let's let's try it. We've we've got a couple years to get
1: prepared. You know, teachers spend years in training for for what they do. So we're like, we got a couple years to gather materials and 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 learn and you know, um, surely we can teach all the basic math and writing and reading. They so were like, well, we you know we can't do much worse than public school did especially given what the other kids down the walking down the road were chanting. We so that was our look. It was like, well
2: our starting point was well we can't do much worse. Um and you know, hopefully
1: trying to be dedicated parents really focus on it, hopefully we'll do a lot better. Um and that led to one of our real, one of the first decisions of things that we did really differently, which was before they could read or do math or anything, before either of our, our boys could, could do any of that, we said, our family budget's always going to be open to our kids. They are always going to know our income, They're always going to be able to know our, our, our mortgage payments or rent or power bill, every single thing. We want it. So, worst case scenario, the best we achieve is that when they're ready to get out on their own, they know what it costs to live on their own. You know, they know what groceries cost and power costs. <clears throat> and so, that was one of our our first choices to do different is to say, okay, finances are going to be an open book, um, and you know, things just kind of they went from there. We we started off doing as as many do of you know buying a curriculum and trying to follow the public school at home uh model where
2: we mostly mimicked a public school thing but with some extras like the family budget um yeah and and so that was really how it that was how we got started um with our our older son and uh you know, and then and Kevin was he came along and
1: when he turned six, he really decided he was gonna upend everything and take a different route and <laughs> we let him.
0: That's one thing that is such a common story with um newbie homeschoolers, uh, you know, for for want of a better word, is that the the knee jerk reaction when you it's a huge decision process to go through, of course and lots of sleepless nights and trying to search for answers and is this the right thing? And then you get the, the huge pushback, societal pushback, whether that's from close friends or even worse, direct family members that are questioning your sanity and calling out your parenting abilities and telling you that you're going to ruin your kids' lives and they're never going to be able to get a job and how are they going to socialize. All of this FUD that is associated uh, with homeschooling because every, every single one of us have been systemized and uh, indoctrinated into, you know, linear thinking, basically. Uh, but, you know, you, yeah. you go through that, you go through that, those hard yards, you know, you, you, you wade through the swamp of making this decision. And then we did the same. And then you sit down, you're like, okay, let's follow a curriculum at home and that's like kind, kind you know trying to replicate that institutionalized curriculum in uh in, in the, the the four walls of the the home really doesn't work maybe it does for some kids but but you know the general i would say 90 to 99% of kids that are going to be outside of that institutionalized kind of arena that you, you don't learn
1: that way I, you know the curriculum i think is is certainly okay for like your basic skills that aren't unique to different people you know teaching teaching your basic addition subtraction i mean there's nothing unique about that from one person to another it's just a basic skill you need same with reading uh, writing is not all that unique uh, you know except for people with different language backgrounds and different countries might have have some variations there of course um but so we didn't see a big problem with the curriculum necessarily but with kevin it it very quickly so so our oldest learned all his basics that way um and it went fine and and then kevin totally threw out the rule book on everything in life and including that um so yeah, I mean, for some kids, especially for for the basics that it's just a basic skill that's nothing different. It, it you know I think learning it within a kid's interests um, is a lot more beneficial probably than a than a curriculum. But yeah, it, it can work for certain things, and then there's some things that. You know, if the kid's never going to use it or almost never going to use it, low probability, whatever, then why why waste the time is what we kind of came to learn is uh, about that. Um, you know, or they'll, they'll learn it as they do have a need for it. And uh, so, but that was how things became here. And, you know, it, our, ours turned into what We we didn't even know at the time it was called unschooling, but we we had been unschooling for, for several years before we learned that was even really a thing.
2: Um, we just did it. We, we uh, Yeah. The, it, this concept of unschooling. Opening up, you know, we, we caught a lot of flack, Yeah, of course
1: um mainly from family not that much from friends although there's a few friends
2: who would continually give us some flack on it um you know but by the time kevin was i guess 10 is when when all the flack
1: really went away um that that was really when it kind of ended uh and he did he had way more to do with ending it than we did because we tried, you know, just let us be, you know, if our kids and by the time Kevin was eight, yeah, we, we gave our kids a choice. If you want to go to public school, you can. Um, he had suffered a sort of a trauma uh, when he was eight. And, you know, we opened that door and we're like, look, if you if you think you would be better off going to public school and, and being with your friends more regular
2: and stuff, we're, we're going to let you. This is going to be your choice now. Um. And, and we reminded them again of that choice.
1: Uh, you know, it came time for school registration every summer. We we let it be their choice, and um, yeah, it was a no every time. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were a handful of times Kevin said he kind of thought about it, but it was it, it was always a no. He was too achievement and, and goal oriented, uh, and he knew. You know, there wouldn't be achievements of anything that meaningful going to public school. He, he's like, what gold? He would, say, he would say, what, gold stars and letters? Why am I going to care about that? What's that going to do for my future? I'd love um, to hear that. Where, <laughs> I'd love to whereas, hear that. You know, I mean, as anybody who read his book, uh, don't tell me I can't, you know, it was already seen. You know, he, he was running a, a business, a, a, you know, making pretty good money at eight years old.
2: Um, actually, making real good money for by eight-year-old standards. It was phenomenal money. Yes. Um, you know, and
1: then, but he really quashed it. People thought, oh, it's, you know, cute kid running a little backyard farm and, so, but but people would still say, well, he could do that after school, you know. And and but then when he was ten, he paid cash for a house. And and that was really the thing that ultimately squashed it. Is you know, when pe- when people saw a ten-year-old pay cash for a house, it was.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. They're like, well, what are we supposed to say to this, you know? And. Kevin was out and open and even proud to a degree. His spelling was so awful at the time. I mean, it was so so bad. He wrote about it in his book. Um, He knew it was bad. He he would take notes, you know, that were phonetically you could figure out what it what it meant, you know, pretty quickly. But he didn't care. He's like it conveys my point and if i need to if i have a need to improve my spelling i'll put more practice in but in the meantime i just bought a house so i've got to learn to do a roof i've got to learn to do plumbing electrical he had to replace the floor um he had to replace a broken window i mean the house was trash. it was a tear down by most people's standards
2: and yeah, you know, that's why he could afford it it was it was cheap um but that was, I think that was the final final end to people giving us grief is when they saw,
1: okay, clearly this kid's doing more than, you know, for many people, for many of them, it was clear this kid's already doing more at 10 than done
2: by 30. Hmm. Um, you know, so. I that, love that, that really part of the book.
0: Up. I love that part of the book where, where it talks about the, the house. house. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. And uh, like the uh, the pictures in there of him, you know, handmaking the kitchen cabinets, uh it's it's so damn impressive. But be, I, I wanted like um just go back to this idea of of unschooling so we just get this one completely checked off because a lot of people listening to this and I've heard it it's kind of like a a weird tag name that people get confused with thinking oh they're, they're unschoolers that means like the kids are just rowdy running around doing the complete opposite to what you find you know uh, a normal institutionalized kid doing which is sitting down straight back doing that doing the sums they think an unschooler is just like a rabble rouser you know uh going around uh, causing trouble and the parents therefore are completely irresponsible do you want to talk a little bit about like this 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 ethos of unschooling or what you might call self directed education, so people can get like a, a better idea of of what that actually looks like? You know, boots on the ground. Yeah,
1: self self directed education is a much better choice of words. Um, so with us, the unschooling started, and it, it was totally Kevin who started it. He, I was. <clears throat> I was dealing with the VA, which can be uh, an extraordinary exercise in frustration. What was the, the VA? Sorry, Billy. What, what? The yeah, the U.S. Veterans Administration that helped military veterans. Um, okay. And that's a very frustrating thing to have to deal with. And he came to me asking me, uh, you know, how do people get rich, or something worded to that to that line and. I knew I was poor. Um, that, you know, it was easy to figure out it and I didn't know how to calculate net worth at the time, but it, you know when you're poor. And uh so I kind of brushed him off a little bit and I was just, you know, go look up videos of Warren Buffett on YouTube or something.
2: Um, cuz I don't know. I don't know how people get rich. I, if I did, I would be. Um and Yeah, And it wasn't like I picked out Warren Buffett because I knew at the time that he actually did do a lot of teaching. I could have
1: just as randomly said Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or anybody else. It wasn't a targeted thing. It was a random comment. But Kevin took it seriously and went and started watching videos of Warren Buffett giving
2: speeches. And he found it fascinating, um, which was really weird. I mean, as a parent, we're sitting here and, you know, your kid watching an old man give
1: speeches on on investing and financial literacy and all this stuff was just, you don't expect to watch your six-year-old get fascinated by that. (laughs) Um, He was. He was completely enthralled with it. And it didn't, it was probably within the first week or two of him getting into that he quickly navigated into videos by charlie munger too um within a week or two of, i guess it was he's like can this just be my school work i'm learning
2: he's like i just want to do this i don't want to do the spelling book anymore um i don't want to do the the math book and and we ultimately
1: were like okay you know what this is educational." We were dealing with a lot as a family, trying to get medical care that I needed at the time. Um, and we are like, you know, if he gets, a, what's he gonna, you know, is sick? How far behind is he gonna get that we can't catch him up if he's watching these videos? So we didn't see the harm in it. And so we're like, okay, but we're gonna put one limitation on this. You have to do
2: some kind of educational material every day that's reading. And, but we said you can pick it. And, uh, didn't take long.
1: It might have been right away that that became some articles on MarketWatch and CNBC, (laughs) um, on their websites. Six years Um, old. And he, yeah, he just, (laughs) he didn't understand a whole lot of it at that time. I mean, he would come with questions, you know, what, what's this word? And, and, you know, what does this mean? And that would come about quite a bit.
2: Um, but he was just fascinated by it. And he was quickly understanding a lot of it. Um and so but it was so it was self directed. It, he's it's like, okay, he's
1: he's looking at he's learning something that's how can learning about business and learning from people who have built big successful businesses I was learning something from them not potentially really useful to his future you know it wasn't like just sit and play games all day um, I'm confident we wouldn't have allowed that uh, I know there are some in the unschooling community who you know think who are, who are very big on that too and saying that's you know great if a kid wants to play video games all day And I suppose if the kid's working on becoming like a video game developer, then it very much fits to know what's out there and and what can be done. Um, I think that's where it's a matter of
2: seeing what the purpose is. You know, is is a kid truly just totally mindless playing or is there like a
1: purpose to what they're doing? Um, I think that kind of matters as as you're allowing self-directed education that, that there is truly some kind of educational component there. Um, and then then I know others
2: in the in the unschooling community disagree with me on that and that's okay. Um so that was how that that was how uh,
1: how the unschooling or or self-directed education you know came to be with us and
2: then he started his farm when he was uh, 7. Um And then it just grew. Kind of, it was really an amazing thing to live through and witness, you know, like firsthand. Like, there's this little boy, and you know, he's out there just dedicated uh, to, to getting his business going, and it it took him months just to get it
1: took him quite a number of months just to get it up and going and get his, get the barn ready and, and some of his infrastructure put together and,
2: you know, he, just his drive, it was so amazing to witness. Um, and you know, the, the as, uh, as you re- read
1: in his book, you know, his, Basically, a ninth birthday present to himself was his ranch. <laughs> you know, nine years old, he bought 347 acres, <laughs> um, which was just yeah, outside the outside of our immediate family. Basically, nobody knew. He was so humble about it. Like, so people knew that that our family in general had acquired it because that was the only way he said it. Hey, we just got this. He he
2: always said we. He never really never said I very much at all. Um, and it was, I think beyond generous, he gave us more credit than we ever earned.
1: <laughs> but, you know, he, he was probably 11
2: or 12 before most people started realizing, wait, that's actually his, not ours. <laughs> um, and if I, if I remember rightly, the, the way that he started the, uh,
0: the the farm, excuse me, the project, uh, was a rabbit Is that correct? Would that be the correct term?
1: It's a rabbitry. Um, right. A commercial raising of meat rabbits, yeah. Um, that was his start.
0: I and mean, what we drove are, that choice? What what where did
1: uh, he? I think familiarity played probably played the biggest role. Um, we already raised rabbits for our own meat consumption um, because it's a re- they're a fantastic source of protein and and they're really healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't remember exactly what the price was, but you couldn't get chicken as cheap as you could raise rabbit meat um, when we started doing that as a family just so we could afford good healthy meat you know for Mm -hmm. our kids and for us and uh the familiarity definitely played a a major role in that choice the fact that we could give him uh it was like five rabbits i think we gave him to get started um
2: but like to, oh, at the beginning, he the, the
0: the barn, if I remember rightly, that that was just a wreck. Like uh, he had to put in a lot of work to get the barn up to speed at the age of what seven, the
1: like you said. Barn was a disaster. Yeah, it. it <laughs> I mean, it was one of those buildings you looked up and you just wondered, like, if a bird lands on it wrong, is it going to cave over? You know, kind of thing. It was just the barn was probably built in the
2: nineteen thirties know 30s or 40s excuse me so um
1: yeah we salvaged some wood from some other buildings that were that were coming down that but there was still some good boards in it
2: um i was able to scrape together a little bit of money to contribute a little bit of, of good lumber to it um you know it's
1: he didn't ask and that, but it was just kind of a really proud moment. You know, your kid's doing something like this. He's not asking for, he didn't ask for anything. Um, so yeah, I, I probably contributed, I don't know, 50 or 60 bucks worth of lumber. It was, of course, lumber was a lot cheaper, um, uh,
2: seven, seven years ago, but, mm. um, you know, my wife and, and, our other boy uh
1: they they contributed a lot of the work i would get out my back wasn't very bad at the time so i got out and i did i did a little bit of the work but i couldn't do much um, mostly i could just hand nails or screws and hold a drill for somebody i can't do a lot physically um but i i was i was participating as much as i was physically capable of doing and yeah, so it, it was a wreck. It was uh, for probably three months almost every day of the week um, working on making sure that barn was going to be safe and stable and uh, trying to get his rabbit cages, uh, get get his first little batch of rabbit cages assembled
2: that um, he had a little bit of birthday money for, for buying, I think. Three cages to start with, and then later on you
1: know as he, as he got closer to being ready to truly start, we were able to donate a cage or two uh to getting him going and uh it was, it was a few month process um He did take breaks from it, but uh for trying to clean up the area because the yard around the barn was trashed out too um just previous. People at some point had just left junk all over
2: the place. And so he wanted all that cleaned up, and he cleaned it up. Um, Yeah, and and so, yeah, he got it going. Um, And and by the time, you
1: know, his eighth birthday came along, he was making sales and making good money
2: and learning bookkeeping at at the same time. I got to ask because uh,
0: the, the audience loved this, this idea of um, finding a good source of protein, becoming self-sovereign, uh, everybody in the Bitcoin space, not everybody, excuse me, uh, there are, of course, all sorts of vegetarians, vegans as well, but uh, for the most part, you know, we, we look to beef as being the best uh, source of protein. But of course, if you've got something uh, like rabbit, I mean, I live in Europe, I'm right now in France. It's very prevalent, even on the supermarket shelves here, as it would be, uh, mm-hmm. especially in places uh, such as Italy as well. Uh, even the UK. Um, I, I'm not sure how prevalent it would be in in the United States, but explain to people, you know, not very. Uh, no, okay. How do you cook that thing? Uh, what's that what's just, the best way to? Just,
1: I prefer it in stews. Um, that that. I, I like stew. Uh, I like how tender it makes the meat. So um, that was that was all that, and it's easy to throw it all in a pot, a crock pot, and walk away. And you don't know, just sit and put a lot of effort into cooking it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, none of us really like to spend a whole whole lot of time cooking. Kevin enjoyed cooking the most out of all of us by far. Um,
2: but you know, there's there's a million recipes on the internet for different ways to make rabbit and uh you know and,
1: and there's obviously a market for it uh especially with a lot of the restaurants that I guess they have European trained chefs in them. Um it was what I understood was the ultimate end market for a lot of his uh that he sold he sold through a processor. Mm-hmm. Um but that was who the processor said the bulk of his market was was high end restaurants with it you know, were European themed or had European trained chefs, and that they put it to use
2: a lot more. Um, wow. Coming from a, a seven to eight year old's farm. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he stuck with it and kept growing it. Yeah, he
1: had quite a few hundreds of, had several hundred rabbits at one point. Really? Oh, um, yeah. We, uh,
0: what were yeah, you selling I mean, them for a head? Do you know? Was it was it sold in quantity or like per kilo or like, how does that
2: work?
1: He it was by the pound. It was by the live weight pound, and um, I don't remember the price per pound, but I, I remember because a, a farmer out here kind of poked at him one time. One of the old school hay farmers out here made fun of him and says oh great job you're spending eight dollars per animal to make four and Kevin's Mm -hmm. like no actually it's the exact opposite of that I'm spending about four to make eight and and that was about where it was it it fluctuated a little bit over the years um but that was I know the ballpark um some some rabbits would, would grow a little better than others so Sometimes he might spend four and, of course, a rabbit might make it or something happen. Um, But sometimes he'd have a rabbit that would just put on weight amazingly fast. Um, But usually if one did that, he wouldn't actually sell it. He'd keep it to become a new breeder, hoping to get that into his
2: genetics. Um, But ballpark, he, he made around, I guess, $4 a rabbit. And it was
0: all of this... Money that he saved up doing um, the dis farming that led him to to buy the three hundred forty seven acres. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> that that he he knew that he was going to spend his life farming. Certainly before he was nine, um, he knew that was how he wanted to spend the rest of his life.
0: Um, so this he, this he, project was the. The the three hundred forty seven acres, as I understand it, as I'd seen it on Twitter, and as I now I've obviously read the book, so I'm kind of up to speed. But uh, he saw a big problem with what had been going on in the kind of legacy farming world in in where you were living at the time, and the um the problem of the the water uh, because you guys had a well on your on your land as well, but obviously that kept dropping and dropping and dropping. Um, it was just being basically turned into a dust bowl by legacy farming techniques or probably heavily subsidized farming techniques, which are very much focused on the here and now and don't care about the future. Whereas Kevin, he just wanted to do the complete opposite regenerative farming uh, and, and try and return uh, the soil back to its natural state. And he had this plan of uh, sectioning off the uh, the 347 acres and, and rotating uh, livestock around it. It's an incredible plan. So, yeah. Why? Why don't you feel? Uh... Oh, he, was, he was actively. He was doing
1: that. He had sec. He had sectioned it off. Um. So it's 347 acres, but the main portion is 320, and then there's um. there's right at 320. It's a rounding error. Um. But then there's three other little parcels that are right at 10 acres, uh, right outside the fence. And they were awkward enough, he didn't bother fencing those in. So um it was divided up. He he built he he had to enclose the whole thing because it was enclosed, and uh and then he had to divide it up and he spent a lot of extra time and money dividing it up because of where he found like there's a spot where he found a deer that basically messing ground where where Bama deer, you know a uh, muley deer out here would have and raise babies. And he spent probably three weeks and two grand extra on his fence, just curving his fence way around the spot. Um, Cause he wasn't going to bulldoze a deer nesting ground. There's no way he would do that ever. Um, and other spots, it was just like, there's a sand dune in the way and, you know, bulldozing a six foot wide, line to put a fence in is one thing having to bulldoze a sand dune would have meant bulldozing ultimately nearly an acre to get it all flattened out or more um, and he's like I'm not bulldozing that much land just to run my fence right there <clears throat> and because uh, the sand dunes out here do typically have a lot of vegetation on them um, useful vegetation
2: uh, salt brush grows quite well on them that's really good for animals um and so he there's probably four or five spots where he spent extra time and
1: money to do the minimal damage to harm he could get away with doing uh, while still partitioning it so every paddock of the four paddocks is in the ballpark of 80 acres but you know might have one that's 75 and next to it's an 85 because of how he you know, went curving the fence around to avoid doing damage. Um, but yeah, he the first year was running the goats on it. Uh, he, he was really concerned with watching for what the land could support without the goats wiping it out. Um, and ultimately, he came to the conclusion that okay, it, it even in a pretty dry year, it should support. At least fifty to sixty breeding stock of goats um in a really wet year might get you know it might get sustained more, but that's really hard to predict out here um whether you're you're might have a year with twelve inches of rain or you might go a year or more without any rain at all um, but he figured at least fifty to sixty continuous carrying capacity without depleting the land um, His next step. Was something he was about to start and and didn't get to carry on with. Um,
0: yeah, I, I so, feel we need to we need to back it up actually because the the, the house, house story, story is in there somewhere as well, right? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, the house story is and, in the middle of
0: all and that. the um, and the tractor story because he was doing all of this on his own land with his own tractor. So we've definitely got to um, come back to the house story so raised the rabbits uh made the money bought the land but then there was another there was another project in there somewhere another money making project because i remember the rabbitry uh, i think it was uh, struck with disease so there was a bit of a um a wipeout and- there
1: there was there was a complete and total loss yes um he had been running the rabbitry for close to a year he, that, and that was one of the points. He was up to, I think he had a hundred breeding rabbits at the time.
2: Um, he had, he grew he grew it fast, and uh, yeah, something happened, and it was a total loss.
1: Um,
2: there, yeah, non disclosure agreement
1: that we can't talk about it. Other than there was an insurance settlement, and uh, with with what went down, and but yeah, he lost every. Yeah, we had to put down every single rabbit. Um, hmm. It was, when I mentioned earlier that he had a trauma when he was eight, that was it. Cause hmm. even though they were going to be food, he absolutely loved his animals. He loved trying to give them the best life that he could give them um, and take good care of them, keep them healthy. And, and so that happened and, he was able to. The insurance settlement covered some lost income from the time for the time he was shut down. Um. Anyway, so he, he the insurance settlement was all his. None of us, nobody got any cut of it. He he left it all in his company. Um. And so he was able to get a new new starting uh, starting set of breeding rabbits. To, to get going again, and uh, after he decided not to do public school um it took him a little while to decide to to redo with rabbits um we we put no pressure on him it was just we just wanted to support him because we knew that was even emotionally hard on us
2: um but he ultimately decided to get back into rabbits and but while he was shut down um he started putting a lot more time into studying. He bought some books on real estate um, and got really he got really interested in learning more about real estate it is he started everything he learned about with youtube, but he ultimately did buy books too um and and that
1: was how it came to him learning to search for properties on the local county recorder website, and um, that was how he found the house. It wasn't like up for sale or anything. He saw that it was actually pretty close to going to the tax auction. And he was able to track down uh, the out-of-state owner and, and work out a deal. And he, it She was going to let it go to the tax auction, so uh, he was able to strike a deal um, to buy it for the bad due taxes and a little bit extra and uh and he was 10 at this it, age he was nine when it started still I think. i'm think i pretty sure he was nine when when the the thing started with the house um
2: but 10 by the time it was closed and, and done yeah um so i'm 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 pretty sure
1: it's been a few, a few years ago um but i'm pretty sure he was nine when the process started and he turned 10 kind of as it went through and i know he was 10 when when he closed and took true ownership of the house yeah um
2: and, uh, and did
1: you yeah it was a mess
0: did you say that was kind of like uh the, the idea was to make it wheelchair accessible that was a surprise Oh, have I got that wrong? Did you say that before at some stage? Um,
1: no, that that was something separate Kevin did last year um, after he had sold. That one, he just wanted to make it a rental house. Okay. And uh, that was his only intention there with that house was to make it a rental. Um,
0: but now but he had to start of, doing the uh, – was this the house that he, he did the, the handmade kitchen cabinets for?
1: Yes. He did the – <laughs> he He tore the roof off because well half the roof was already gone anyways um so with his his mother and brother's help he uh he replaced it was six sheets of the the decking under the roof the plywood decking
3: um
1: he he put on all new uh roofing felt by himself and then the three of them did a you know reshingled the whole thing um all the way up and down, no leaks. That's something he was he was quite proud of and also decided that he absolutely hated roofing and wanted to avoid it as much as he could the rest of his life. <laughs> right. There's a lesson. Um, he, yeah, he, he learned. He said that's one of the things he learned from that was that he hated roofing. <laughs> uh, but he also found uh, an extreme love for woodwork
2: he, he bought a router and a ton of tools that, uh, yeah, so he had
1: tools for, like, he handmade all the baseboards, he handmade all the door and window trim, crown molding, the cabinets. Um, he even had been looking at uh, hand replacing the the door, making his own custom door for it. He really loved the woodwork uh, part of that and was and just totally loved that part. So, yeah. So he learned some stuff that he, he really did not like doing and he, he found an absolute passion in woodworking. Um, but he always, he just kept the woodworking as a hobby. He, he debated maybe doing it when he got older um, doing some of it professionally but living so remote out here he knew that customers and you know he knew it would be kind of a challenge as a business out here um where he felt that it would and but then by the time he finished it he had been learning about the the water table
2: problems and and coming up with some rather ambitious goals um in that regard yeah,
0: let's talk about so, that. Let's talk about the, the, the water table problem that he suddenly faced uh, a big realization what was going on and, and where this was headed ultimately for, for the land, just becoming a dust
1: bowl. It, it started with, the, with his house because the well went dry. And, and ultimately, he's like, okay, I'll just save up money until I can get a new well done and uh then the well at his ranch went dry but during that time frame between that between all that happening he bought a uh big john deere tractor (laughs) um how did he manage
2: that didn't have (laughs) yeah and uh yeah so he bought the john deere and uh yeah, it's a big old thing. But, uh, so he couldn't afford to do a new well at his house. And,
1: uh, then, and so he was just letting the house sit. And, sorry, I'm trying to remember everything in order here. <laughs> it's, it's so much going on trying to keep up with all of it. Even sure. And he, he
2: was, yeah, um, Then the well at his ranch went dry. And uh, he finally, he's like, okay. He went and talked to the well driller to at least get some information. And, uh, you know, found out, you know, he was looking at at least 20 grand just to put the new hole in the ground um,
1: for a well. Uh, But he ended up working out a deal to trade some extra land he had picked up along the way. for the new well on his ranch to get that one replaced because getting his ranch well was his, his priority. And, uh, so that worked out They they did a land,
2: a land for well trade on that one. Um, and then COVID came along just months later. Um, and
1: he didn't bat an eye at it. He's like, okay, he was losing his rabbit sales because California restaurants were all shutting down and, um, I'm pretty sure it was the first time he's like, okay, circumstances change, so I got to change. And he
2: immediately hired a realtor and put his house on the market and he made good money off the repairs he did. Um, I'm actually
1: pretty sure he he was the highest earning, his company, anyways, was the highest earning member of the house a year. Hmm. Um, but then turned his attention to, diversifying his farm more so he wouldn't be so dependent on rabbits so house sale money went into getting him a starting flock of turkeys and processing gear and freezers and and all that um he was experimenting some with pasture raised chickens um, but he was really struggling with that since he didn't have enough water out here to To really irrigate good pastures and and living up the native desert vegetation the chickens weren't doing great um turkeys did quite well just like the goats did and so that's what led up to what he was going to start this year which was uh, moving turkeys down to the ranch to see how they would have impacted
2: in a rotation with the goats Um, but he was also going to start having the goats get get a lot of feed um he
1: was going to be actually importing a lot of, of of hay from a very from a farm two miles away um he wanted the goats to eat do almost all their eating in areas that had no vegetation at all nothing just barren sand um so he was buying purposely the most seedy hay he could find um, he was asking for it, not just because it was a little cheaper, but he wanted all the seed getting into the ground because um, he would just throw the hay out all scattered on the ground. And mm-hmm. people, of course, say, you're just wasting it. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm creating future compost. Um, and so that was, he, he had barely gotten started with that this this year on the targeted feeding um, he only got to do it
2: like three or four times. Um, he did not get to move any turkeys down there. Um, but yeah that was that was the next step was starting to try and build soil that could sustain some plant life where there was none.
0: yeah, the regenerative farming, which um like a yeah, like a. a- I think I mentioned before we started recording, that's, an, that's another big focus of the, the Bitcoin community. There's, um, there's a lot of great work being done out there. Exact same thing. Like, you know, you, you buy the, the hay with loads of seed on and then you, you move the animals around and uh, they either eat it and pull it back out or tread it into the ground and churn t- the ground up. And um, hopefully you get that bit of rain, depending on, you know, where you live.
1: Um, yeah, that's exactly what he was doing, um, getting them to poop there and, you know, any feed they didn't eat. He, he was not worried about the waste at all. Um, he, he welcomed it because, you know, that was just adding to, uh, compost in place and, and stuff of that nature. And then he would go out and collect, um. He went out collecting seed that already grew on his ranch he didn't he did a little bit of seed purchasing um from a place that specializes in in the desert native plants but most of it he would go out by hand and especially with salt brush because salt brush he found was was the, probably the easiest to, to establish and uh and then he would put grass seed around the base of the salt brush and under the shade of the salt brush the grass seed would do better um he did a he did probably an acre of that here at our house um where he would put out the salt brush and and start getting grasses established with with the salt brush um so he practiced it here at our house before trying
2: to do it at the ranch uh,
1: and and. It absolutely
2: improved the the quality of vegetation here in our home. So. yeah, that's awesome.
0: What I mean, uh, people listening are going to be thinking, you know, uh, I'm going to come back to the some of the fud, you know, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt around um, homeschooling and living this kind of life. Uh, and the, the the one that you know, the poster child fud of of homeschooling is. Oh, your kids are never going to be able to socialize. So I'm sure I had a bunch of friends as well. Do you, do you just want to talk about uh, a little bit um, about like how that would work and um, what why people shouldn't um, be? Right. Uh, Say
1: that again. I, I, I didn't. I, I guess did my I, phone was cutting out or
0: something. Did I cut out? Yeah, I was just talking about um, like this idea that uh, homeschool kids will never be able to socialize. Uh, do, do you want to put people's
1: minds at rest? Uh, with, sure, uh, or, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, he Kevin had no problem making friends. Uh, I mean, he, he, he might be walking a field with a, an 80 year old retired farmer one day and playing with a baby later the same day or, or the next day.
2: Um, you know, one, you got homeschooling groups that you can get involved in, um, and, and that helps. Um, that, that's a big help to
1: parents and the kids because that's probably a first level of socialization. And then uh, for us, we had church. Um, I know not every family goes to church, but that was part of ours. Um, he did Cub Scouts, um, and so that was yet another bit of socialization. But with especially with him. His business became a big part of this too. Like, he would, I would have to drive him there, but I mean, I, I, often I would sit out in a truck and, you know, Kevin would walk into the John Deere dealership talking to everybody there, uh, like any other adult would. You know, you, if you regularly go to a, a shop because you need to pick up parts for a tractor, um, you know, or any mechanic would would normally deal with at an auto parts store. You start building at least some casual friendships that way. And he did. And so, I mean,
2: his peers were not limited in age. It was just like regular adult socialization, um,
1: regular real-world socialization. It was never confined
2: to just kids, you know, within a few within a year or two of his own age it was broad and he
1: socialized with people all the time i mean it was it was a regular thing the auto parts store the john deere store uh, he had a, a business po box at the post office and you know so he would go about doing all these things that you know you typically just think of as adult things to do and He's making friends of all possible ages, left
2: and right, just as part of his daily life. Just, yeah, no different than how any adult living a regular
1: life does. You make friends at work. You, if you frequent a restaurant regularly, you might make friends with some of the the wait staff. Um, you know, you run into familiar faces just through the patterns of of
2: living your daily life and that's exactly how it worked yeah uh it's
0: something that uh i want everybody to try and understand that's you know the difference between socializing and forced association uh, and it you know that's what institutionalized schooling is is forced association Uh, and you spend yeah most of your time avoiding the kids that you you know you don't like and have nothing in common with other than you're the same age and you happen to go to the same brick and mortar like uh, schoolhouse
1: yeah that's something he never experienced um and and i'm kind of proud of that i'm kind of proud that that wasn't an experience he had in life where he was i mean there were times that you know meeting somebody might come about because of forced association that you know maybe we were friends with another kid's parents or something, and you know so the family spending time together, even if maybe the kids didn't get along that great at times. I guess it kind of happened in that regard, but um, you know consistent day in day out here, sit next to this person who is going to punch you every time the teacher's looking away or something. Um, (sighs) Yeah, uh, none of that ever was a part of it. It was just go through life and make friends of people who you find
2: you have things in common with and be at least respectful towards the others. Yeah, it's... um... That, That was how he did everything it's
0: it's so great to hear and uh i know we've just been talking now for for just over an hour so I, I won't i won't keep you uh too much longer billy thank you thank you for sharing and and like i said thank you for reaching out in the dms and and thank you for keeping the community up uh, those people that were following the journey on twitter up with um uh, you know what's been what's been happening what's been going on and uh for trying to carry forward this message i i would just ask is is there anything uh that any of us could, um, could do to help, uh, could do to, um, you know, um uh, forward this message uh, or could, are, you, are you still on the ranch? Is there anyone that could come out and, and visit and, and help you guys, uh, with any work? Um, it, you know, what, what's so, the.
1: Yeah. Um, right now we do on the ranch, but we, we totally break down crying every time we even drive by it. We can't go on it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, another farmer has taken care of, uh, of all Kevin's goats from the ranch, uh, except the bottle babies. We kept those as pets. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been in talks with the University of Utah uh, extension office. Um, they're interested if they can make it work um to possibly take over at the ranch and try and continue some of Kevin's research and, and other uh regenerative farming research on it. So we're really hoping that works out. Um, we we had another family that lined up that we thought was gonna buy it and we had even been giving them or not giving dollar for dollar basically on the GoFundMe um that had been put together for us. It, it's it's raised an amount of money that had been mind-blowing to us. And so we were just dollar for dollar reducing the price for this family. Um, every dollar on GoFundMe, because we, we knew this family would take really good care
2: of the ranch. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they decided that they, they didn't want the help, is what they said. And for like, the emotional value of knowing it's cared for matters more to us than, than
1: extra money.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, but they still refuse. So, uh, you know, we'll still do the same thing. If the university um, needs funds towards helping make it happen, then we'll do the same exact setup. And then, emotionally, we just we can't stay
2: here. Um, We can see the place that our son died from our front porch, and. Yeah, I mean most
1: people get to wake up from their nightmares. We wake up and go on the front porch and it's right in our face. So um we're under contract on a new house that will be easier to make wheelchair accessible for me and a new farm um pending the sale of, of this farm. Um and we are under contract on our house here. So anyways, and we're trying to figure out the logistics of the trying to move a farm. Hmm. uh that's challenging um to say the least but yeah so what we're going to be doing um is building a new farm um from scratch we can't raise rabbits emotionally certainly for now um yeah we can't handle that one but we're keeping his starting flock of turkeys um, we're keeping the tractor, his uh, incubators, and, and a lot of the infrastructure stuff to try and get restarted. One of his key things he really wanted to try and, and get to where he was doing was he wanted to track exactly per product he was producing. How many gallons of fuel are is being reduced by how I produce it over buying it from a store? how many gallons of water is being conserved, how many kilowatt hours of power are being conserved. He wanted to trace it on a per product basis. And so that will be a really big priority as we start a new farm uh, to try and follow in that footsteps there and make it all public and be like, look, by practicing what we learned from and with Kevin, this is, how this contributes to greater you know food security greater energy independence greater you know greater reduction in fossil fuel resources and all that kind of stuff um and on the land that we're under contract on there's enough room we want to take his first house and if you've followed Kevin on Twitter, you know passive solar uh, construction was another thing he was really involved with. Um, so he had designed these little tweaks to his first house of how he thought it should be built different um, to, to be passive solar and be and, yeah, a drastically more efficient house. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to build some camping cabins where that are modeled after his passive solar tweaks. Um, and, and be able to have people come out and see it not only as a working farm, but as a educational demonstration on really hands-on things you can do to have that greater independence and, and reduce your impact on the world around you, at least your negative impact on the world around you. Um, so that's, that's what we're kind of working towards right now. Um it's It's tricky dealing with closing dates and, and how it all is going to play out. Um, but yeah, we, we because the funding has been had the success it has in his books, um, we can't afford to just do it with cash. We're not at that point, but it's enough that it enables us to try and carry forward that part of his legacy that way. Um, so that's what we're working on right now. Um, is trying to do that and we'll be working on the other books um, the audio book and his children's book is just we gotta get where we have a fresh start and kind of a clear mind right now every time we try and pull it up it's like we expect to hear his voice over our shoulder or see him sitting beside us in a room where he always did sit beside us um, and we just can't handle it here so we found someone else who's got take care of the audiobook um and
2: get that done so people can hear him tell his story in his own voice. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really what we've, what we've got going forward is trying to keep that part of his legacy alive. Um,
1: yeah. And uh, that's what's I, carrying, that's what's carrying us forward every day. I don't know how we would function on any given day if we didn't, have his legacy to try and carry on.
0: Yeah. It, um, yeah, no words, no words, uh, Billy. Um, you know, huge condolences uh, from myself and from everybody listening. Uh, I'm just wondering now how the community might be able to rally around and and help you guys out. Uh, I know there is... Um, a lot of people uh, in the U.S. that have this idea of regenerative farming or, uh, you know, passive solar in the Bitcoin space, very, very much interested in this. So what's the best way for them to to reach out to you? Uh, do, are you. Do you want to tell us where you are, like uh, in, in which state, at least? Um, so uh,
1: those we've been, in, we've been in the media more than we wanted to be. So I think everybody knows we're in, in Utah now. Um, OK. We're we're gonna we're gonna take a few months to keep quiet where the new place is just to give ourselves some time because we've we've been having to deal with some media stuff off and on since well since like the sixth day after he died I mean we we did not get
2: time to even get out of the shock before the first time we had media show up at our house um you know uh,
1: so we're gonna we're gonna keep our location quiet for a few months just to kind of
2: try and deal with the first holiday season Um, and and a lot of that but uh so
1: following on twitter right now is and and facebook um, is probably the best way to keep in touch and kind of know what's going on we are going to be trying to find someone to partner with to help document the things we're doing um to try and keep his legacy going and so if we can find somebody who would help document it and work alongside us uh, trying to get it
2: get all this built up that would be fantastic. Um obviously GoFundMe donations do help uh with trying to
1: Kevin's goals were not exactly um something you could do for free. Um they they were meaningful and impactful but they're not necessarily uh inexpensive his books, the way he structured his company, all his book sales go straight into funding the farm. And we, we're we not touching that. We're not changing any of it. And so um,
2: the book sales directly contribute towards trying to build the new farm at the, um, and fund
1: you know the building of the cabins and and all these projects. That's the way he structured it, and we have we can't bring ourselves to touch it. We haven't pulled a penny out. Nobody's ever pulled a penny out of his company since the day he started it. He never did. and at some point, I think we may have no choice, but we're trying to avoid it. Um, so anytime someone buys a book, they're supporting these regenerative agriculture goals that like Kevin had um,
2: that we're just going to be doing in a new location that it's not so emotionally paralyzing for us to be in.
0: Right. Um, the GoFundMe. Uh, I, I will put these links in the show notes. The link to the book, uh, the link to the GoFundMe as well. Uh, I think I found it. Um, Thank you. H- help Kevin Cooper's family. It would that be the correct one?
1: Yeah. Our, okay. Uh, very close friend Stephanie put it together
0: yeah i found that correct link so i'll make sure that they go in the show notes so anybody listening that uh wants to reach out has ideas like i'm sure there's many people uh that that can even uh come and take a look at the land um maybe they'll be able to purchase the land and carry on this exact same regenerative farming um kind of idea uh so it's over it's over to the listeners um billy thank you um Thank you so much for for doing this, for coming on. Uh, the reason that we had, you know, uh, that, that Kevin had captured our imagination uh, was through all of these projects and through his tweets. Uh, and I'm not sure if he directly ever tweeted about Bitcoin, but we would definitely tweet back at him. Are you taking donations in Bitcoin? Can we buy your book in Bitcoin? Have you started learning about Bitcoin? Are you saving in Bitcoin? Because...
1: Uh, you know we're here uh, yeah. to try and educate people. He was people. really he was he was intrigued about Bitcoin. Uh, I don't know if he ever got in. I don't know if he ever. Um, I don't know if he ever like got a, a Bitcoin account. I'm I'm very ignorant on this, so forgive me if I screw up some of the words. Um, I, I don't know if he has any. I can't bring myself to go sit at his computer, so I don't know where he made it on that. I do know he really wanted to sell his book in Bitcoin and his holdup was that he wanted to find a way to automate processing an order going from you know coming in to him and then getting forwarded to amazon's publishing uh arm and he couldn't find a way to get that automated and that mm-hmm. was his holdup um i know he was he was intrigued by anything that was as he called you know free trade like he Back in the spring, he commented, "He's like, man, if anybody comes up offering me split firewood for turkeys this year, I'm selling it at a discount." He <laughs> <It> was so, <laughs> he, you know, anything he found a use to, he would trade. He he wasn't particular on on the money part. You know, if it was handy and, and something he wanted or could find a good use for, he would trade for it. Um, he, he understood value and, was subjective. Yeah, he very much did. And, uh, and so I know he was really intrigued with, with the Bitcoin stuff. I think he tweeted about it a little bit, but I don't. Until I can make myself sit at his computer, I, I won't know if he ever actually got into it. And, and I, I don't even know like how that works if you open an account or... <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty ignorant on this one, but... Um, it is something we'll be looking into as we try and get established um, to yes look at accepting some bitcoin um or possibly some online sales or donations to help keep things going
2: um, we you know or help build out some of the passive solar demonstration projects um, but yeah, you know, like i said i'm
1: I'm really ignorant here in this regard right now, so. Uh, and I got too much on my plate to really spend time on it right now. Like, we need to get moved and settled in, and figure out how to how to keep life going. Um, so that's what we're working on right now. But Kevin wanted to do it, and uh, just like coming on your show here, uh, I'm just trying to follow through and keep his work alive and and going. So it will be something we'll be looking into um, and seeing what we can figure out. And if anybody knows how to automate the book sale part of things um, between Amazon and KDP that we could enable book sales in Bitcoin, I would love to see that happen. I know he put a lot of time in trying to figure it out. So, you know, people can figure out how to message me on Twitter or contact me through uh, Daniel or something. Um, that would be a big help to, to be able to see how we could finish that up for him and get that part going. Um,
0: I already know the guy that's going to help you out with that. Hopefully, so that um, I'll I'll make sure I chat with uh, Consensus Network once once they, um once this is aired and and they've listened to this story and um, people I'm sure would be more than happy to uh, buy the book from Consensus Network uh, with Bitcoin, uh, which would uh, end up with with you guys rather than you know going through Amazon. This is what the Bitcoin space does. It builds parallel. Systems and parallel um, universes, basically. That's where I now sell my book. Uh, my book um, is available on Amazon as well, but I always ask people to buy it from Consensus Network. Uh, so, there, there's one thing we can definitely help you with. Uh, anybody, um, and and if you you know any questions you ever have about Bitcoin or um, trying to find that wallet. If I can't help you directly, I can put you directly in touch with somebody who can and would be willing to, whether that would be over the phone or just come down and, and make a visit and, and sit next to you and, and help you figure this out. Um, we're here to help. I, I speak on
1: behalf of the whole community. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll definitely keep in touch with you as I try to figure that out. Uh, I won't even know what I'm looking for when I when I am ready to finally sit at this computer. Right now, I don't even have a clue what I'll be looking for. So. Sure. Uh I'll I'll be reaching out to, to ask for a little help on that when the time comes.
0: Anytime, thank brother. You. Anytime. Uh thank you again. Uh is there anything we didn't touch? Is there any final message that uh
1: you wanted to put out there? Um no, I guess not at this point. We've we've covered a good bit and you know, maybe we can maybe make a little progress here or whatever we can meet up we can do this again and talk more about homeschooling and or maybe i'll actually know more about what bitcoin involves and, and can have an educated discussion about that
0: i don't know i got a sneaky sneaky feeling you might know a little bit more about it because uh, i think you uh you, you you could end up meeting a few interesting people that are going to be uh more than willing to come and, and shake your hand and, and give you uh give you some helping um advice and uh Get involved with your regenerative farming project um i've i've got uh, yeah i'm bullish that someone's going to reach out to you so thank you uh thanks for coming on billy uh it's been a it's been great getting to know you and thank you for um yeah doing what you're doing
1: thanks for for letting me try
0: and keep this going appreciate it we'll talk to you later take care bye-bye uh well Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Billy, uh, for coming on and sharing that. It's a very tough, emotional conversation. Uh, If there is anybody out there listening that can help out with any of these projects, I know what the Bitcoin community is capable of. I love you guys. I trust you guys. And I know something amazing is going to come from this one conversation. Uh, Billy and I did did keep chatting a little while after we stopped recording and uh, I want to relay a message that uh, we we didn't actually have recorded which is a, a real shame but uh, he shared um, one of their family values uh, and something that uh, that Kevin just lived by loved the, uh, the family value that uh, Billy himself had suggested and uh, it's simple you, know, you have to uh, deserve respect, and um, that's what we're here to do in the Bitcoin space. That's the ethos. That's proof of work. You know, you you got to put in the hours. You've got to put in the time to to come to some of the conclusions that we've come to. It doesn't happen naturally, and you have to deserve respect. So that's one thing I just wanted to um, to end on. Uh, again, uh, I'm just gonna let the music play out here. Uh, you guys can. Um, ponder uh some thoughts and like i said please um reach out to billy in uh, in twitter dms or or to me directly uh if you want and um if you want to run an idea past me I-, I can get you in touch i'll leave it there guys uh take care and um yeah i look forward to the next show